Welcome back, Mighty Vandals, to Tubs of the Club, your Idaho Vandals affiliate on the Big Sky Podcast Network. I am your host today, Dallas Hammer, joined, as sometimes always, by Brian Marceau. Brian, how are you doing over in Coeur d'Alene? You know, holding it together, uh, holding it together. It's, um, hey, like, we, we have some big stuff to talk about, so obviously it's a good day uh, today. Uh, but um, this is kind of going to, this is going to be like my flu game episode of Tubs of the Club, so... Uh, I don't know. Buckle up for am- amateur hour, guys. Yeah, we also, uh, in case you didn't catch it, we have a twenty three nineteen going on currently. Uh, Brian just getting through decontamination after uh, getting exposed to the Eagle Power Hour. Uh, if you haven't had a chance to check that out, Brian over there uh, with Martin as well, doing a preview on the Eastern mm-hmm. basketball games this weekend in Cheney. But Brian, we've got volleyball news to talk about. So let's just rip this Band-Aid off get into it what what do we know what's new in the last couple weeks here okay so a dallas is going to be on the shelf for a little bit listeners i'm going to run through uh, like we typically do with volleyball updates kind of a batch of all the developments we're aware of then discuss afterwards so since we last recorded um, talking about volleyball with former university of idaho head coach debbie buchanan uh, the updates we have are honestly pretty substantial and they fall into hey, both yeah, kind of good news. There's still no good news at all with the story, but relatively speaking, some kind of good news and some opposite. So first, um, sources, uh, close sources, very close to the story, <laughs> um, have confirmed to Tubbs Club that OCRI has scheduled to interview some of the athletes from the 2022 20, volleyball team, which, hey, it's a big deal. We'll, we'll, again, we'll discuss that later, but these athletes have on their own chosen to reach out to OCRI. Most of these athletes don't even attend the university of Idaho anymore. So these are people who are on their own time trying to help out Vandal volleyball in a way that, you know, Hey, if I, if I live through Chris Gonzalez, I would completely understand wanting to not have that. But that's one of the things we've talked about is university information had not acknowledged 2022 so it was unclear if this that would be part of the scope of the investigation but uh sources tell tubs that those athletes are scheduled for their zoom interviews this week so hey item one uh next item um sources again very close to situation have told tubs that um so one of the kind of confusing things about the investigation with uh, Thompson Horton, which, which is the law firm that University of Idaho is contracting with to do this investigation, uh, a partner in Thompson Horton by the name of Jackie Werns is currently listed as a dual employee, both a partner at Thompson Horton and as the interim Title IX and interim director of OCRI at the University of Idaho. Well, an official bar complaint has been filed with the Bar Association over Jackie Warren's having conflict of interest relating to this dual employment and what, um, and how that might influence, uh, you know, a a completely unbiased investigation. We'll of course find out later what that, what that means, but uh, this is, this is for real guys An an, an actual bar complaint. If you're a person who thought this was a kind of weird development in the story, you're not wrong. Bar complaint has been filed over Jackie Warren's and the dual position she holds right now. Um, additionally, as far as a practice update, in Scott Green's email, which we detailed two weeks ago, one of the things Scott Green highlighted was, hey, athletes have the option to sit out practice penalty-free, 
which is of course not penalty free in any real sense because you can't sit out training and have no penalty. But as far as scholarships are concerned during the investigation, if an athlete chooses to sit out practice with Chris Gonzalez, they can without penalty. And at the time of the email, um, Scott Green cited only quote only three athletes of the 12 choosing to sit out. Well, that's not, that number is not the same anymore. Uh, last we were told spring volleyball for Idaho has five total athletes competing. All of them are international players. So of the 12, the breakdown of the 12 is five are choosing to sit out. Non, non-international two are injured. So it's that they're injured. They're just not going to play, but there's five total athletes for spring volleyball uh, taking part in practice. So obviously no scrimmaging, lots of meaningful things a team would want to do during spring practice. Idaho just cannot do. Keep in mind the roster is 18 players at the start, at the end of, at the end of the fall season, one player graduated that takes you down to 17. And at this point, the roster from transfers and people choosing to sit out has dwindled down to five total participants in live practice. In addition, uh, recruitment is going on uh, still because until Chris Gonzalez is not head coach, he is head coach. And if you have five, it's, it's relatively safe to say that if five are choosing to sit out, it's quite reasonable to expect that all five or maybe four out of the five sitting out will not be on the roster next year. So Idaho is not close to a full roster ready to compete. Chris Gonzalez is, is recruiting. And until he's the head, until he's not the head coach, he is. Idaho has one signee. It's a junior college player with international background. Should sound familiar. Now, I would love to tell you who that signee is, but Idaho, Idaho's Twitter page is, of course, not updating anything relating to volleyball, which that might be the right call. But our Daphne... On National Girls and Women in Sports Day, they were the only women's team that didn't tweet about it. So, that yeah, there you go. Uh, so recruitment is going on. And one of the things we had... Uh, might be worth knowing is, Hey, like how are you supposed to recruit when you have five athletes choosing to, to take part in practice? And what we've been told again, sources very close to situation that um, athletes are just given no chance whatsoever to be alone with a recruit. Uh, the time they see recruits is at a dinner, which of course coaches are at. So there is a, there is just no private time uh, between the, a potential recruit and any of the current athletes on the team uh, last item to get on vandal through the argonaut on the vandal nation blog um, one athlete was anonymously um, written about uh, on january 31st 2024 article written by joanna hayes of university of idaho which just detailed the athlete the the athlete experience of what's going on, um, you know, through the investigation. And of course, one of the main concerns is potential retaliation. Cause as, as referenced at the top of the show, athletes can choose to sit out during this time. And while the investigation is ongoing, uh, athletes will not face penalty for sitting out, but the, of course, concern for players right now. And part of the reason why you see all the international players likely why you see all the international players showing up and the others not is, if Chris Gonzalez is still the coach next year, the concern from the athletes is sure there's no retaliation, you know, at the, or there's no punishment at this point, but the concern is that re- there would be retaliation for choosing to sit out during spring practice, which leads to the final update 
relating to the investigation by OCRI itself. The interview portion of the investigation should 100 should be a court. This was, was told to the athletes should be concluded next week. So next week, of course, it is would end in on February 16th. So by February 16th, the investigative part of this process should be concluded, at which point Thompson and Horton would then need to actually write up their report, which would be sent to Scott Green. There's no update on how long that process itself typically takes place. So Dallas, that's um, that's the kind of the data dump. And so we need to, well, of course, need to discuss a little bit. Um, we can hit individual, whatever facets you want, but here's the wheel, man. Uh, take it away. Brian, the first thing I, I kind of want to go to is just the, the the big one to me is the OCRI uh, and potential conflict of interest here uh, with with Jackie Werns. Uh, you can go onto her LinkedIn, her Twitter page. I mean, you just type in the name Jackie Werns, and and she has made herself a, a pretty public figure. It's very telling to me that on her on her LinkedIn, she's listed as the remote interim director of office of civil rights and investigations in Idaho. While she also is running a blog through Thompson and Horton, you can go to it right now. Title nine tips.com with Thompson and Horton labeled all over it. It, it. It's just, it's very weird that this, this has worked out this way, Brian. I, we mentioned it before at the beginning that Thompson and Horton is not typically a, an office that is brought in uh, unless the school is trying to protect themselves from something and this this to me just screams giant 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 red flag brian i i i fully understand the bar complaint here this i don't know how you couldn't make the argument there isn't a conflict of interest here when the director of ocri is also a partner at the law firm that is being retained by the university for this. It, 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 if OCRI is supposed to be acting independently, I don't understand how you can act independently if she's working for both of those companies. It, it just, it doesn't make any sense to me, Brian. No, it doesn't. And I mean, honestly, the fact that the bar complaint is uh, weirdly to me, a positive development because uh, that means it's going to be looked, it will, it has to be looked into that. Now, as far as timelines with the investigation itself, I, I can't comment on how quickly a bar complaint like this could turn into something that would matter in a material way for the final outcome of this, because a lot of the legwork, like, like just said a second ago, a lot of the legwork is supposed to be done by February 16th, but at the very least, um, the fact that there are there will be eyes outside of the University of Idaho evaluating Jackie Burns and this dual dual role uh, to me is promising. We have to sit and wait, but I guess hey, I'm on I'm with you on. I feel like it's weird. Um, it, I I we have the Title IX expert uh, as an athletic director. Now we have to call in another Title IX expert for uh, for this. Now and I, hey, I want to. This is not precisely pushing back Dallas, but. Um, Look, one of the, the reasons we've been doing this it tr is trying to inform people about, to the extent we can, about what's going on, shed light on what to me is the most important story in Vandal Athletics right now. But I, I do want, hey, Andy Kaus, nothing to see here. Move along in the comment section. And the reason I want to point to this is um, it is a positive development to me as far as the potential legitimacy of the investigation, the legitimacy of 
potential of whatever outcomes come out of this, both for the athletes and the public perception. Like I care more about fairness for the athletes, but Hey, this, we have a public show. That's why we're talking about this. Um, the fact that the 2022 athletes are going to be uh, interviewed and theoretically part of the overall assessment of what should happen and the quote unquote climate and culture facet, uh, the investigation, the investigate investigative scope was broadened to include. Um, it'd been a look part of the, one of the animating um, facets of, of this whole story itself had been the university saying nothing and nothing for a long time other than uh, clearly, you know, like PR, like scripted responses from Scott Green being sent out um, and not just Scott Green. I mean, just essentially anyone who, who's emailed getting very little personal kind of interaction, very, very little personal um, responses, which I get the university doing that to protect itself. But it comes across as the university caring about protecting itself, not a thorough evaluation of what did and did not happen and thorough, fair accountability afterward. Well, hey, if, if 20, 2022 had just been completely ignored it, it see, in responses, it seemed like the university was not going to be paying attention to it whatsoever, that that's not the case. So thank you to the athletes who went out of their way to contact Scott Green and OCRI uh, to be involved. But that development itself to me um, is if you're looking, Andy, for a reason to be hopeful that the, the ultimate result of this investigation will be reasonable, will be fair. Um, that's something I would point you to. Brian, one thing I, I, would, I do want to bring up, uh, you look at, at Jackie Werns and her, again, her, her resume, uh, you know, just the, the things she has out on LinkedIn, looking through this Title IX Tips blog. This seems like the exact person you would want in charge of OCRI. That, like, I have no qualms with with her being in charge of OCRI right now. That That, to me, that seems like a great decision. But then you go and you hire the law firm she works for as your defense in, in this, whatever you want to call this investigation, this debacle. I just don't understand what the university is doing here. I mean, it feels like every single step of this entire thing, it's just, if there's a decision to be made, it's the wrong one that's chosen every time. If Terry Golick had listened to the players in 2002, or, to, well, definitely in 2002, in 2022, this probably wouldn't have snowballed into this. And it just, I just don't understand, Brian, what the university is, is doing here. This feels very much like it's been just CYA from the absolute get go without ever taking a stand to say, hey, maybe we should actually listen to these women. Maybe, maybe they're not lying. Maybe because half of the team is complaining, maybe there's actually something going on here that we should investigate instead of just saying, is that all? I just, I can't wrap my head around this, Brian. Yeah, as we've covered over two years, more than 30 uh, people attempted to raise this over 2022 and 2023. Um, but, and hey, I just want to hit on something you brought up too, which this is uh, one of our sources helped us out here. Because uh, you, you talked about, uh, you know, Terry specifically listening and you're, you're right. Uh, that's why we've been critical of, of Terry in this process because I, I don't know what else you're supposed to be at this point. Uh, but something that's that I that has to come out at the end of this investigation is virtually every single athletic department administrative employee and many coaches are what are referred to as mandatory reporters uh, and mandatory reporters in this sense, meaning to OCRI, which is to say if they if a person, if one of these employees witnesses 
maltreatment to the level that has been documented and turned in over the course of two years. Again, again, this is not athletes who are supposed to do this on their own. Um, we, we covered Terry should have walked this to OCRI herself in 2022. There's a lot of employees who, I mean, some people probably don't work at the university anymore. There's a lot of people who are considered mandatory reporters who should have turned this in to OCRI, which doesn't, doesn't mean they were attempting to, to cover for Gonzalez based off everyone we've talked to. He certainly is not a loved employee by, or he is certainly not a loved colleague based off people we've talked to, but that's a, there's a ton of people. There are, uh, there's one of the persistent questions over this story has been how in God's name did it get this far? And one of the answers is many, many mandatory reporters did not report, which is part of why for me, whenever we talk about waiting on the results of this investigation, one of the things I want to see is what accountability means and who that who that falls upon. Taylor Cash, the comment section, all they have to do is report to their supervisor, I believe, period. Okay, well, then that would explain uh, the supervisor not getting getting it back to OCRI. But the, the premise being, uh, so Taylor, what I was told is the reporting would be to OCRI from a mandatory reporter, not necessarily to Terry Golick herself, because Terry is not the investigative body at the university. But that, that, that's the question. That's part of why us on the outside, the non-athletic department bureaucrats are frustrated and there's as much anger on the side as there, there is. And I want to pivot now to talk about the athlete experience. This is look what, based off people I talk to, um, I know that outsiders are supposed to wait and be patient for this because the investigative process takes time, but like at the lived experience of the athlete, this has been an exclusively shitty time. So one already went over. There's five total athletes taking part in practice. That, that means, and I don't mean this in an antagonistic sense, but if you have five people choosing to sit out, two injured, so they're still not playing, and five total people taking part in practice, I'm almost exclusively international players, what you don't have is cohesive, group of young women working towards getting better in the sport they love, which is to say, Hey, Eastern Washington in their spring volleyball, they have a unified team. They have a, they have a unified group of athletes working to get better. Weber state, same thing. Idaho has a team in the most nominal sense. There are five, again, you can project about five or maybe six on the roster counting the new signee for next season, not even close to a full team. And another facet uh, to be aware of, the, which our sources have let us know, area universities and many, many D1 programs right now have no interest in even scheduling University of Idaho. If you go to the Go Vandals volleyball page, there's no 2024 schedule posted, which that is, hey, that's normal right now. Like Idaho State has no 2024 volleyball schedule posted, but there's an intersection of two things. One, because Chris Gonzalez has, was a dumpster fire, he was with one win last year. Even if Idaho had a full roster and no investigation, there's a lot of teams who wouldn't want to schedule Idaho because of the damage it would do to those teams' RPI. So if you're a team that thinks you're going to compete for making the NCAA tournament, Idaho isn't worth scheduling. You're, Idaho's kind of a team worth scheduling if you think your team might be okay and you want to pad those wins. But part two, is and we've had D1 coaches reach out and talk to us about this too. No, 
coaches, the, the volleyball community knows who Chris Gonzalez is. And right now, Idaho's untouchable schedule-wise because other coaches don't want to schedule Idaho if Chris Gonzalez is going to be there. So you have a good amount of teams who won't schedule Idaho, and we're talking out of conference schedule. A lot of teams don't want to schedule Idaho because of the RPI. But then you have a bunch of teams who also have no interest in scheduling Idaho because of Chris Gonzalez. Just to say, until Chris Gonzalez is officially gone from this program, it is a legitimate question, not hyperbole, legitimate question. Will Idaho, one, have enough athletes to have a team? And two, will Idaho have any sort of out-of-conference schedule that is normal? Uh, most of their schedule in the out-of-conference is made, out of, made off of tournaments. Well, you got to get tournament invites. We know Idaho's putting out feelers to get their schedule put together. We've been told, our sources told us, that people won't e coaches won't even reply to Idaho solicitation to, to get on the schedule. I mean, if you were coaching a another team or you are running a tournament, do you want to be involved with Idaho volleyball right now? I know that this is not like a, an earth-shattering ESPN headline story, but this is a big deal in the volleyball world. And I know there's a lot of people, especially those on All Vandals, that don't give a shit about volleyball, but this is a big deal to a very large, important group of people. Who, who in their right mind would be reaching out to, I mean, even without the, the five and 51 record uh, again, five and 51 in the last two years. So it's not like Brian, like you said, like this is not a program that is going to, you're not going to put any great big wins here. Uh, you're not going to pad yourself other than just checking that extra win off of the, the record. But who, who wants to touch this right now? Who wants to even be anywhere near involved with this? Could you imagine Chris Gonzalez being at a tournament with this team as some sort of news breaks if if something were to happen and again he let's say he pushes a girl over and it, it's caught on video this time or he screams at someone or, or calls someone good girl and it's caught on on any sort of camera like that's that is so much bad pr for whatever tournament or or other team would be involved in this it makes sense that he's going to have a little bit of a tough time putting things together and brian this is this is where I get to my biggest amount of frustration. We talked very heavily about Zach Kloss for, for years on this on this podcast because for everything we heard about Zach Kloss being a, a good man, unfortunately, he wasn't a very good D1 head coach. He just wasn't. Idaho basketball is obviously not in a great spot. It, it has been slowly trickling down for quite a while now. But at least the guy was a good guy. He was trying his hardest. It wasn't like wazoo was hey we're gonna kill the rivalry here because you guys suck and we hate you it was a hey look your program is in such disarray that this doesn't do anything for us other than hurt us the rivalry was cool but hey we have to end this that like i can understand why terry Golick let zach Kloss perform out again most of his contract until the mostly performative firing at the end of the year I don't understand how you can continue to to let this guy coach this team. Five and fifty one should have been enough to say, "Hey, you're going into the final year of your contract. Here's ninety thousand dollars. Get the fuck out of here. We're going to bring somebody else in." But in obviously the investigation means they can't fire him because he's got a. You have to let the process play out. Obviously, there's a chance he comes out of this scot free and innocent, and we're all looking with big deer eyes in. But I just don't understand the thought process here, Brian. 
$90,000 would have been enough to make this guy go away. $180,000 would have been enough to make him go away two years ago. The Petrino buyout was so much larger than that. And obviously it happened because people care much more about football, but we're talking about all of these concerns for a guy that has won five games in two years and is in danger of not being able to put together a roster for next year. There's 12 girls on the team. If seven of them are able to practice, you can't even, you can't even scrimmage against each other. You have to play six on six. Like, what do you do in this situation? It, it Sorry, just I, doesn't make any sense to me, right? I'm, I'm laughing on camera, uh, which listeners would have no idea about because we, we've been told that Chris Walsh didn't actually have them scrimmage very much last year. That maybe the team scrimmaged five times the entire season, which, you know, hey, maybe it's the wrong guy. Um, but hey, that leads to two other things, uh, which, again, what part of why I wanted, what I wanted to hit on here a little bit more, again, the, We've covered and now we've talked in detail about the process of the investigation to the extent we know about or that we've learned about it and yeah, what, what we're waiting for, what's what's been included. And all, all of that absolutely matters. But hey, lived experience, the athletes. Um, you should read that that the blog post from Vandal Nation on the Argonaut from January 31st. But. Uh, reason it I bring that YouTube up. comments. If you are watching on YouTube or if you're following on podcast, it is on, uh, again, uiargonaut.com. It's also in the YouTube comments. Thank you. The, so the athletes have all the, all the, su the supervisory things that were listed in that email from Scott green that we covered previously, like, Hey, Hey, those exist. Things like the case manager, uh, to mo monitor practice, meet with athletes, counselor from the counseling mental health center, the notice to professors, um, university ombudsman for future potential issues, case manager for any sort of other referrals. Those exist. But what we have been told, um, part of what's been a struggle for the athletes here is feeling one, that this process is essentially all encompassing as in like, Hey, it, it's, it's, un it's unknown of how long this is going to be. We're approaching the 90 day mark from when this investigation would have began at the end of the volleyball season. Uh, but athletes, uh, we've been told from that athletes are essentially, essentially can't go anywhere uh, without having this be part of their story that they're recounting, which hey, people care. But as far as someone living through this, again, another version of this being all encompassing, another version of this making you feel quite isolated. We've been told that the resources available don't actually do any sort of like assertive confirmation with the athletes about how the process is going. They sit and wait to be told that, Hey, there's a problem going on, which seems to mirror. I mean, the attitude that, that got us here in the first place, not that like we, not that additional supervision and additional care and concern should be shown for a, an issue that matters, but check in the box of, Hey, we're here. Come let us know if you want. And it's look, it's just been clear that until Gonzalez is gone, there's not a lot of ton. There's not a ton of trust between the athletes and the university that many of them love. If, if the athletes that are still on the team wanted to leave the school, they would have done it by now. If they're staying, it's because hey, they're international and feel like they can't go anywhere, which weirdly that's the only thing Chris Gonzalez seems to recruit now or two. They love the school. They want to get through this and they want to be part of the first step of rebuilding this program uh, into something respectable with Chris Gonzalez gone. But as, as far as the investigative process, I don't know what you're supposed to feel if you're an athlete other than completely isolated and the university resources we've been told have certainly not gone out of their way to try to elicit feelings other 
than isolation um, at really, really at this point. And um, which funnels further to, hey, it talked about recruitment. So one of the things I was told about recruitment for last year's team is just a story from an athlete that they came for their official visit and were a little weirded out by the fact that the athletes on the team were not like, they just weren't friendly. They weren't mean. They just weren't like really outgoing and welcoming as though they wanted another, a new teammate to join them on, you know, this thing that they'd be talking about the rest of their lives. Like we've seen in the comment section, so many former Vandal athletes tune in to try to support the team because once you're on the team, Hey, that's to, to them, that's a community for the rest of their life. And the athlete thought like, okay, well, it's kind of weird. Like maybe the school, the school's focus isn't social skills or something like that, but whatever athlete fell in love with school, decided to come. Well, later on, the athlete was told after the fact that they like the reason teams were not the reason the athletes weren't welcoming to the woman is because they thought if they were cold to her, she would choose to not come and not join the mess. That was Chris Gonzalez. And I say that because that's, that is now like the added, that is now what the athletes have. Um, it's, it's weird to think that in every facet you look while this investigation is not yet resolved, while Chris Gonzalez is not yet gone and hey, partially while Terry is not yet gone too. I don't think there's any feeling an athlete should have other than feeling alone and isolated, certainly not being pushed to be the best version of themselves. Like you'd say, Jason Eck and the football team obviously are doing, or like you'd say, Alex Pribble and the basketball team obviously are doing, or Carrie Amy and the women's basketball team are obviously doing. It's just a different experience. But when we say different, that's euphemistic for shitty in every possible facet. Brian, I think that the, the one last thing I kind of want to talk about is just, I don't understand how anybody can be paying any sort of attention to this story and not be outraged by this. You and I have been doing this podcast for a couple of years now. Uh, you obviously longer than I have. Uh, we've got Martin, you know, Patty's jumped in uh, now that he's a student. We have this community of folks that are all in the comment section. Uh, you know, we have we have the regulars. We have people that jump in during football season. We have like we we're starting to kind of again foster a pretty large community here, and it's all built around the fact that every single one of these people has some sort of connection to this university. I don't think anybody follows Vandal Sports because I saw the Vandals on TV, and man, I'm going to be a Vandal fan. Like people have a connection to this university and some sort of positivity around it. I mean, I'm not the most outgoing of guys. I just am not. I'm, I'm pretty reserved, pretty introverted. We, I go out to the a football tailgate and I have dozens of people that recognize me, dozens of people that I, I, I have met either from my time there as a student, going back when I was a journalist and, and coming back and covering games for a handful of years, or again, just people I've met through this show. And there's, there, there's always this sense of like community and almost family where everybody kind of gives a shit about each other. The fact that we're sitting here talking about the Vandal women are kind of off-putting to, to new recruits because they don't want them to come here. That, sh that should be a problem. That should anybody that hears anything like that or anything like these women are having these experiences, that's, that's not okay. I don't understand that there's there's this weird group of people on all vandals that think this isn't a big deal. The only people that I know that care about the University of Idaho have some sort of positive memory with it. 
and it does not sound like that's what's happening for these these women and that's an absolute failure yeah. of this university well i i want to push back against that slightly because i, I know what you're referencing but like our vol I, I we're going to talk have to talk talk about tubs to talk about the story for a second we're going to talk about new signees to the football team in a few minutes our volleyball episodes are beating the shit out of our football episodes right now for views. And look, you and I don't actually care about view count. We want to, one, we want to actually record the show Two, We want the show to track important stories. And three, we want to do that. Well, that's, that's the math of what we do behind the scenes at tubs guys. And overwhelmingly lots of people, I, I see, I think lots of people care about the volleyball story. Again, we're more than doubling up view count volleyball stories over football episodes right now it's it's not remotely close whether you want to look at live viewers or just total views and then the other the other part like hey our interactions like on the discord patreon.com backslash tubs at the club to join support the show overwhelmingly it's people in support of the athletes overwhelmingly it's people who are pissed about what's going on overwhelmingly it's people who yeah they want a fair investigation but what they really want is chris gonzalez gone and they want terry gone so the, to me, the overwhelming volume of feedback we've had and the, Hey, the number of former athletes who I don't know who I wouldn't have known who they were beforehand, but they get in contact with us saying, Hey, we want to talk about this. We want to help out or, Hey, well, we want to be sources. So you guys can mm-hmm. talk about important stuff. I've got an avalanche uh, of that in my life, which is to say, no, like vandals care about this story, which is, and the reason they care is that is vandals, vandals, hey, vandals back vandals. It's best when vandals can back the institution at the same time as backing vandals. But hey, we we we've talked about this on the show. Uh, we we care about people being treated well. We we care about people people being treated fairly. That's why we've covered this way we have. It it hasn't been remotely close to me. Most people are angry and animated about this. And sure, there's like five people who really want to look like they're tight with Scott Green. Sure, there's like ten people who want to look like they're really tight with Terry Golick. Most people want this fixed and they want it fixed now. Couldn't have, couldn't agree more, Brian. Couldn't agree more. As Andy Kyle says in the comment section, most of us are Idaho fans in general, and we want to support all the student athletes that choose my town for a few years. Like that's there's like there's this again, that sense of pride and community and, and people being vandals and man, this this asshole running the volleyball program just ain't it. Yeah, Captain fifty eight people over institutions one hundred percent of the time. Institutions Brian, exist to serve people, man. Any any other thoughts on on this vandal volleyball situation? I I for one will be very glad when it's over. I hope that it ends in uh, again a, a turnaround of fortune for for the women that have all been impacted by this. Um, I mean, nothing really to add. As we have news, we'll we'll cover the story. Uh, you know, again, we're we'll we'll cover with practice updates as we have i mean the practice updates are going to be weird because there's like again five athletes taking part this is barely spring this is barely spring season for band of volleyball Um, and then as we get results from the investigation we'll cover that too we dallas we've on purpose not um, speculated about the end result of this that much because we both care about the story itself we not just the end but hey, things to pay attention to. Everyone knows, hey, what what in God's name happens to Chris Gonzalez? But the other thing too, hey, Terry Golick's contract ends July thirty first, twenty twenty four. Don't see how that could be extended. Um, so I don't know. Be aware of the retirement announcement that eventually comes. 
Um, that's all I got, man. Um, so, hey, if you if you tuned in live for the volleyball story, thank you. We appreciate your support. We hope you stay here. But we're going to shift. Um, hold on a second. Uh, we we have a, something to hit in the comment section from Terry Green. Our daughter from last year's team still has yet to hear from the law firm. Okay. Hey, Terry, thank you for that update. We um, the So we were told. Terry, I'm going to pretend I'm talking to Terry for a second just to make sure so we're level. But again, thank you for bringing that up, Terry. Uh, we were told from a source that, um, again, very close uh, to some of the athletes who are going to be contacted that they're they're they were scheduled for 2022, or sorry, their their 2022 story or you know, their time to be interviewed is scheduled for this coming week. Um, I I don't know what to do, Terry, other than to say. I don't know, maybe email uh, OCRI saying, hey, we're under the impression 2022 athletes are going to be interviewed this week and we would like to have that happen. Again, it sucks that, uh, hey, talking about Terry's daughter, no longer at the university, but cares enough to try to reach out and contribute positively to the university itself and to turn that volleyball program around. It's a shame that that's where it's at. Yeah, I I got nothing, Brian. It, it's just... it. Again, I don't understand how how Emmy hasn't been reached out to yet. Uh, it, it it again, she's on the twenty twenty two team. You'd think that that would be somebody that would be worth talking to for this investigation. But uh, again, it just feels like it's halfway done. Uh, again, we'll see that we'll see the actual investigation here. But again, with a bar complaint against it already, uh, again with with parents making it pretty clear that their daughters have not been interviewed about this, uh, and there's only you know a little bit of time left in that and words are hard a little bit of time left in that original 90 day window this just this just reeks brian it it, it just stinks let's move on brian let's get it let's let's we, we've we've gone on for 40 minutes now we do have again we have some some fun things to talk about uh Again, more volleyball updates as they come. Kind of stuff that in any other year would have led the ep this episode. Yes, uh, and really any other week would have led this episode. But before we get to that, Brian, do you know what I'm going to talk about? Or do I mean, because I'm part of the show, I have a theory. What I'm looking for. Because what I'm looking for is a great all-inclusive week-long vacation right in my backyard. It's Hughes River Expedition, guys. It's always Hughes River Expedition. If you're looking for a great all-inclusive week-long vacation, do not look past your backyard. Hughes River Expeditions has been Vandal-owned and operated since 1976, and they are ready to take you or any other Vandal on the vacation of a lifetime. Again, check out all these photos, guys, here. You can enjoy trip. Wow. Words are hard. I'm sorry. It's been a really long day for both Brian and I. Enjoy a multi-day trip down the middle fork of the salmon, the main salmon river of no return, the salmon river canyons, or even the Selway. You can check out these images again on HughesRiver.com. Look at these smiling faces. These people are having a blast. They're certainly not thinking about how much of a stain this volleyball investigation is because Idaho can't do anything right. Check out trips like one to see the Persed Meteor Shower. Camp on pristine beaches, Brian. Beaches, I said. Run amazing whitewater, hike scenic trails, spot wildlife, soak in beautiful natural hot springs, and again, like I'm always saying, fish some of the best and most remote stretches of river in the entire country. Just here in our backyard. This is Idaho, everybody. 
Just bring your clothes. Let HRE handle the rest. It's that easy. Grab a paddle, catch dinner, and ride the bull all throughout the gem state. Again, you can check them out at HughesRiver.com or give them a call at 406-540-4450. Brian, you're muted. Jesus Christ. Captain 58 saying Salmon River Beach Volleyball is the best volleyball in Idaho right now. Okay, man. Well, Dallas, it's time for, again, what we usually look forward to uh, at this time of year. Exactly. This is usually the fun stuff, guys. And uh, I do want to invite to the stage somebody that's hiding out in the background. There he is. He's the producer. Formerly that word we don't talk about. It's Martin joining us live from Moscow. Martin, how are we doing? Golly jeepers, guys. I am having a heckin' frickin' good night wanting to talk about some Vandal football recruits after the event that I was at tonight. Oh, fuck. You're right. We're not supposed to be swearing anymore. I forgot about that. Sorry. Anyways, Martin, you're the recruiting expert here. We've got new Vandals to talk about. I'm just going to kind of ask you first, anybody you want to start with, or do you want me to just start spitting them out? Uh, Let's just start spitting them out and just go by that way. Bingo. First one we're going to go with, because I know you're an offensive We're spitters, not quitters. Hey, to say real quick, this is l- the late signing day. We have seven new signees to University of Idaho football, right, Martin? That's what we're talking about, because in last week's episode, you and special correspondent Patty, who likes to pretend he's an Eastern Eagle, but God damn it, he's enrolled at University of Idaho. You guys last week broke down a ton of the early signees and transfers. Yep, that is correct. And then Pat. Oh, vandals. And then Patrick and I did a show that like the quick hit shows in the December signing period. Thank you for setting the stage, Brian. Again, 45 additions to the recruiting class this year, guys. We've got seven new faces to talk about. Martin, we're going to hit the offensive line first because I know that's your bread and butter. Jackson Peterson, tell me about him. Yeah, for the most like I for the most part I remember kind of like I watched a little bit, not his whole lot, just because I've been busy with some work stuff and other outside stuff. He, uh, I think, in the first like senior highlight tape that I watched, he just knocks a dude on his behind and not not gonna. He's that knocks it on knocks the dude on the ground. He's a has the size to play right away. He is gonna go on his mission for two years, so he's not gonna be joining the Vandals right away, as it says in there. So he'll be uh, he'll. Uh, he will be joining the team a little later than most other Vandals. I think the other one, the, the other late one that's going to be doing their mission is, uh, I forget because I don't pay attention to that right now. And I know I said it at this thing like 20 minutes ago, but he will be taking it as to your, to your mission. No worries on that, Martin. Oh, Vandals. So Jackson Peterson, six five two seventy from CUNA high school. So nice to get one of those Idaho boys in. Uh, he and his offensive line competed at the Idaho Potato Bowl High School Lineman Challenge Tug of War and won that over the summer of 2023. That's uh, directly from the, the GoVandals.com release for those uh, listening and not watching live. Uh, another offensive lineman coming in, 6'4", 250, Christopher Quinones? Quinones, Quinones I'm thinking. Quin- oh, yeah, there's an extra N in there. See, I can't Quine- Yeah, Quinones. 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 Perfect. Good enough. Yep, Martin. Uh, kind of like another offensive lineman. Kind of, I think I remember Patrick. If you want to talk anything about uh, Christopher in here as well, I it, kind of after I watched a little bit of his tape, he is like compared to the other guys I had assigned to this class is very. This is a bit smaller. He's a he's a he's a little skinnier than, I think, that says two fifty, and I want to say his Twitter account says two thirty. So he's very, 
he's a very like Patrick says in the comments is under very undersized, but like he will, he think he can. He probably right probably got you redshirt for a year, hopefully, and not have to have to play right away. Hey, to hit the pronunciation guide slightly better, I believe it would be Quinones. Quinones. Ooh, that is way more fancy than I was going with. Sorry about that, Chris. If you ever hear this episode, sorry, man. Getting names wrong is kind of my thing. I try really hard to get them right and still do it wrong. How do you pronounce our live defensive line coach's name, Dallas? David Lose is a very easy name to pronounce. I don't. However, I don't know how many of our 34 live listeners came in for the Tubbs at the Club's uh, elocution course, which Dallas will be sponsoring for patrons at a later date. Yes. Uh, I, I will also be teaching my uh, my course on how to properly get through an episode of a podcast without swearing. Uh, speaking of, Kevin Rittenauer, uh, late to the show, listening from the beginning. St- thanks for staying the fuck on top of this fucking story. You're fucking welcome, Kevin. Anytime. All right. Jumping back around. Uh, let's stick on the offense here, Martin. Uh, Rocco Coach. I'm going to go with Coach because uh, I was going to giggle when I was going to pronounce it the other way. Uh, 6'1", 205 quarterback from Curtis Senior High School out of University Place, Washington. This one, I'm not I'm not going to be 100% honest here. I have not watched a whole lot of it. I have not watched his tape. Like I kind of just based off of numbers, kind of just based off of this, I probably he might probably play he might be listed as a quarterback who might be playing another position for for the vandals once he gets to camp uh yeah i i again like i'm kind of i hate to kind of be kind of just spend a spitball here but it's kind of i don't really know a whole lot no he's uh sad again uh, definitely an athlete when you look at the the stats 1700 rushing yards and 24 rushing touchdowns this senior season uh again you'd think uh that's an absolute dual threat guy patty in the comment section Rocco's tape is impressive too. deep ball accuracies there the dude runs hard dual threat guy that's tough to bring down doesn't have maybe the biggest arm in the world but looks accurate and reads the field well again uh 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 with jack lane around and uh, the coaching staff is high on jack wagner uh you expect that a quarterback coming in late signing day freshman probably not going to play right away so, I will also note, though, he is a walk. I think he also was announced his offer was a walk on. And so, yes, we did have Dylan Lane, Jack Lane, Jack Lane. Dang, I'm going to get that wrong all the time. Like, he was a walk on and did play as a true freshman, but like, it, it's not the I average. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I wouldn't expect another, just to play another true freshman quarterback walk on unless stuff hits the fan. Exactly. It's, if, it's super young quarterback room. Yes, extraordinarily on quarterback room, and you'd expect uh, again a guy that is is this athletic might end up getting pushed to another position. Uh, but you know that that remains to be seen. Again, very young. You probably have at least the red shirt in there. Can't imagine it's a gray shirt, but uh, you know we'll see what happens with that. Uh, hitting the receiving room now. A couple new receivers coming in. This one from Idaho, uh, Melba High School. Noah West Barranco, six four one ninety five. I uh, I kind of just watching his stuff. I I liked kind of watched what he brings to the table. Like he's another, I think he's another walk on. But like I know when at the at the that night with Vandal football tonight, Eck did kind of talk, kind of talk about the big talk about a couple of the guys and like Patrick saying big physical wide receivers, he'll be able to go up and get those passes and maybe someone that might probably are going to red shirt right over as a freshman, but just like someone you could probably see play come in and play 
as a true freshman and maybe maybe X said maybe convert to tight end maybe if that happens if that maybe something like that down the line but I I'm I, I think he's and I'm always happy to have Idaho recruit Idaho athletes on the roster. Yeah, always nice to see you know, local kids getting onto the team. Uh, but like you said, Martin, uh, frame 6'4", 195 coming in as a freshman. Uh, you expect to see some some weight put on there when he gets into the Vandal Strength Program. But uh, whether that means he puts on 20 pounds of muscle and is uh, one heck of a receiver or he puts on 40 pounds of muscle and starts getting, hey, maybe we should move you to the tight end position, that, you know, that's going to remain to be seen. The other receiver, Martin, maybe this one's the, the more – larger of the two names marquan mccraney from SeaTac, washington 61190 oh yeah i i tend to like i've gotten very much uh i tend to take emotion out of recruiting a lot just so i don't get like too invested in these recruits because sometimes they'll decommit it gets a little it sucks from time to time but when i saw he committed i was like holy holy bleep holy bleep and it was, I was like, there's no way this guy's going to stay, but he did. He signed and I'm, I'm happy to have him. I believe according to 24 seven, he's now the highest rated recruit Idaho has had. I do know like they did when they announced his commit, he did also have a, they said he did have power five offers. I take that with a grain of salt a little bit, only with the fact that yes, they do offer these kids early on. And they sometimes do will from time to time, like they'll pull his offers once the power five schools get their, get their guys they want. So it is still cool to see Idaho getting these like high, high quality guys to come to Idaho. Yeah. Uh, uh, Mark Juan McCraney, a USC offer uh, from uh, the coach that recruited yeah. him is now at Georgia. So the other thing I would, the other, sorry, I forgot to mention because I was at the event tonight. A lot of the Power 5 schools were really pushing hard for him to play DB, I think safety, and he was wanting to play offense, and I think that's kind of another thing of what did push a kind of uh, sour some of the other schools away from him, but I know, I believe I saw offered him back in 2022 or 2023, whatever it was, but like they offered him as a junior, and so they, they kept in touch with him, and hey, when your high school coach comes to be a college coach at your school, it's always those relationships too man it's it's good to have well hey, you know that we'll we'll talk in depth about new coaches and the shuffling of the coaching staff roles a bit next week but martin because you brought it up hey new running back coach deontay cooper from university of idaho replacing that part of thomas ford's old role he was marquan mccraney's high school coach at highline high school and not trying to set up preposterous expectations for the guy but in setting preposterous expectations for the guy. One of the last uh, stories y'all who listen to the show might remember is when Isaac Jones came to Idaho basketball, very likely because his coach at Wenatchee Valley uh, Community College, Jeremy Harden joined Idaho. Hey, package deal. I'm not saying this for a fact was a package deal. I don't have that information, but I can tell you if it was a package deal, I'm cool with it. Uh, we'll talk about the why we're excited about Deontay Cooper next week. But look, like Patty said in the comment section, Marquan McCraney, one of the highest rated FCS recruits in the era of like tracking this stuff online. Mm-hmm. So uh, look, listed at wide receiver. I don't care what position he plays, guys. If he's this level of guy and he's coming to Idaho, I'm stoked for it. If he's going to play a wide receiver, fantastic. We You covered it last week, you guys, but – We've got a lot of reps in the receiver room to sort out. 
Oh, yes. We have a lot of we have a hierarchy of roles to sort out. So if you're a freshman who wants to play receiver on a good team, Idaho's about as good a place as you could go. So glad to have McCraney coming to Moscow. This is like kind of the best way to describe it for those who've played NCAA football 14. It's like when you're Idaho and you somehow get like a 75 overall recruit to come here and you're still a one-star reputation school. It's just like, how the crap did you do that? <laughs> Spot on, Martin. I don't think that we're a one-star school anymore, but uh, I, I do. That is that is a very apt comparison for for the video game dorks in the, uh, in the comment section. Moving on. Oh, there's Patty Frakes uh, jumping in. McCraney looks like a slot guy, a 6'1", 190. He's obviously not quite the size uh, of some of the other guys on the roster, but again, you throw him in the slot and he's probably going to explode. Uh, moving on, we've got two linebackers to talk about. First one, Braxton Lawrence from Madison, Tennessee, 6'4", 205. Oh, this was another one that uh, Eck talked about a little bit at the uh, at the, the Night with Vandal football tonight. He, This is another one I'm sure we'll talk about. I think we can't remember. Did we already talk about Dan? Right now, Dan, I forget. We, uh, we may have done an entire episode referencing new defensive coordinator Dan Jackson okay. coming to the University of Idaho, most recently from Vanderbilt University, yeah. where he coached defensive backs, Martin. That's yeah. who you're talking okay. about, right? Yeah. Yes, yeah, I wanted to make sure I wasn't like missing anybody. I didn't know if he didn't or not yet. But when they after they introduced Dan, I kind of talked about uh, Braxton. He was one of those guys that like Eck, like Brad, Dan with Dan Jackson was like, hey, I have this guy. Like he let's try and offer him, get him up here. His family is very much. Eck talked about his family and like how his wife, like his, his mom, like is like a, owns, like works for the, like, owns this company. His dad works for them and travels all over the place. And they're going to be able to try and come to all these games. Like his tape kind of, I think Patrick did say he kind of a little kind of the, would you say Patrick was the uh, Matthias kind of role, the Sam backer a little bit. Like yeah. I'm, I think he probably has the, probably could play right away depending on how fall camp comes out but i am he is one that like he has the size to play and i think could just use a little do a little bulking up with coach heim and coach renzel and he can be a force to be reckoned with for the team in the future that takes us to the final recruit added today dylan mcintyre from kennewick 62224 High school teammate of both Aiden and Nathan Knepik. Yeah, I I'm gonna be 100 percent honest. I haven't I don't remember watching his table a whole lot because I kind of half expected him to sign in the December signing period. But like he on the tape that they had up on the on the highlight tape when they announced his video, when they announced his uh when they like kind of announced his signing, he was kind of like Patrick says playing the agile light sign a little a little Caden Ellis like a little bit, but like he very much or maybe not Caden Ellis, the kind of the Chuck, Chuck Acano role. He uh, he was blowing guys back in the Patrick. I can't remember the exact high school league they playing, but he was playing. He was blowing those high school defensive linemen, offensive linemen off the ball, and he was getting past them, making plays. Like I, I'm excited to have him, and uh, he think he's probably going to be a he'll like probably not going to be a world beater out of the gate, but like probably someone you develop for a couple of years and you see him play. No, the, the tri cities, which, Hey, that's Kennewick, Washington. One of the tri cities is dry cities. Well, sure. But like, as far as, as an area of football talent, it's an under the radar place that a lot of good players have come from. Like, Hey, uh, Zach Borsch is, is a tri cities guy from Kamaikin, but um, it's, you know, it doesn't, it's not, 
the Tri-Cities doesn't have like the sexy name that like any West side city has, but a lot of good players have come to Idaho and other area schools via the Tri-Cities. Yeah, uh, just for for reference, uh, Patty saying Dylan should be an edge uh, outside backer, uh, hard worker, not a freak athlete, uh, but gets the gets off the ball fast. Uh, played nose tackle in high school. He had fourteen and a half sacks his senior year. So again, expect that he's going to be one of those pass rushing guys. And uh, last note from again, uh, renowned Vandal fan Patty. Lots of Eastern Washington studs came from the Tri Cities, especially especially in the trenches. Uh, Andrew Whipple jumping in. I know it's 1A Division two, but Kendrick had some men versus boys in the last couple seasons. Nice to see local talent showing up for the Vandals. Which, to, to quantify what Andrew just said, uh, of the signing class, 12, 12, 12 guys coming to University of Idaho from the state of Washington, nine from the state of Idaho. So that's, hey, that's 21 guys that are relatively local. And then you want to tack on the five from Oregon, we're at uh, we're at 26 more more than half the class from Idaho, Washington, or Oregon. How dare you not say that the kid from Alberta is local, Brian? Well, we beat out Simon Fraser, so I, I didn't <laughs> want to rub that in. Uh, poor Simon Fraser, rest in peace to that program. All right, gentlemen, that takes us to about an hour in. We've covered volleyball, we've covered football. Any other thoughts from either of the two of you on volleyball or football? No, it, I'm like kind of speaking of just football for myself. It was a, uh, I'm excited and I would like, I know supporting athletics is a little bit of a maybe taboo to some people right now, but like if you are interested in still talking Vandal football and talking any of the recruits, I would encourage you to go to the event tomorrow. I am, uh, I am definitely excited for that. I would encourage you guys to go to that. We have a geographically confused individual, which makes a ton of sense based off where they're from in the comments section. The jungle telling us Moscow is in Canada, which, again, if you go to Idaho State, I, I accept that's probably what you think. Um, only thing I want to add, Martin, is basketball won a couple back-to-back conference games, uh, one over Montana State, one over Sacramento State. That's three conference wins on the season. Next week, we should finally get to kind of another bigger basketball update. Um, I did talk a little Vandal Hoops on the Eagle Power Hour hosted by I did Patty. too. Yeah, Martin too, hosted by Patty Fricks. Like it's, Tubbs of the Club is actually just the only uh, content producer right now. We just happen to do it under two labels. But um, hey, if you want to hear us talk a little bit more about Pribble's team and Amy's team, uh, that happened on the Eagle Power Hour. It'll, we'll be talking more basketball very likely next week. Uh, volleyball news will come as as it comes to us. So uh, that's always a T. That's TBD, of course. You know, oh, yeah. for the most part. But if you're like me, look, hey, I got into this doing basketball. That's how I got the tubs of the club to begin with. Um, crazy to think it's been half a decade of that. But basketball is going to come back, guys. Um, <laughs> Following Pribble and Amy seasons is a huge story. It's just we had a couple weird things happen, guys. So we'll get there. Uh, you should, you guys should tune in. Uh, the men's team plays in Cheney this Saturday because the men's team just played. Every Big Sky team once or twice a season has uh, three conference games in the span of about uh, four to five days: the Thursday, Saturday, then Monday. Idaho just finished that run, uh, losing to Montana, beating Montana State, then beating Sacramento State. So they're off tomorrow, February 8th, back in on Saturday. 
believe it starts Saturday, two o'clock. Saturday, two p.m. for the women, and I believe the men's is like at four p.m. four thirty. Realistically, about a half hour after. I don't care. I'm going to be at both games in Sheena, and I hope to see some of you guys there as well. With that said, gentlemen, as Andrew Whipple says, hoops is on its way. Future is bright. That is absolutely the, the truth. Things are going to start looking up here. Uh, things are already starting to look up, but again, trajectory. Gosh darn it, I hope they do, Dallas. Oh, man. Would I, you say I, they're on the right track? I freaking hope so, Brian. My goodness. My goodness gracious. Those whippersnappers need to, I don't know. I don't know. Get on the right track? Yeah, they're, we're, we're on the right track, Martin. Um, especially if we continue to say frick instead of fuck, because there are people that are so upset that we use it's like four people it's like four people i know but those four people are very loud brian they they really want us to know that the, their opinion about our show like you, you can, thank you to those in the in our discord that continue to bring these all vandals threads to me there's a reason i don't go to that place i think half of those people are idiots it i've never been a fan Thank you for continuing to harass me and be like, hey, look at what people are saying about Tubbs Online. I, I, I don't care. It doesn't affect me at all. We do this show. Brian said it earlier. We do this show the way we want to do it, not because of what other people want us to do. If you don't like it, go make your own show. Back of tits. We could, we could close know. the episode or we could talk about this longer. <laughs> Freaking great show. Thank you, Andrew. That's it, guys. We're going to be coming to you with basketball next week. Probably some more. Maybe the coaches update. Who knows? Maybe something happens in in the volleyball world. We'll Breaking see news, happens. courtesy of Andy Kaus. Vandal pre-function in Cheney at 11, presumably a.m. before the game. So, Andy, thank you. And, by the way, the godfather of Fishgate, Andy Kaus, thanks for tuning in. And thanks for inviting everyone to come party in Cheney. With that said, guys, with that said, Go Vandals. Go Vandals. Go fucking Vandals. Go Vandals. Go Vandals. <laughs>